This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Today we've got a crazy story of revenge where somebody who spread accusations around ended up losing their entire business. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, never piss off the sound guy. I've been playing in bands off and on for about 35 years, and this happened roughly back in 2000. We were playing as an opening act at a popular club in Dallas that frequently hosted mid-level touring acts as headliners. These would be bands that were having national radio success, but hadn't yet broken to the level where they were playing huge halls and arenas. Sometimes the bands would bring their own opening acts, but more commonly the club would enlist local acts that were a good fit with the musical style of the touring band. The bands arrive early, usually several hours early, to set up and sound check at a time when the crowd's minimal or non-existent. I won't name the band in question, but if you're above a certain age, you've probably heard of them. They set up their gear at the very back of the stage, where it will remain during the opening acts and do their sound check. The singer very quickly demonstrates that he's a total prima donna with demands about moving the furniture, having food catered, getting lights moved, you name it, this guy wants it. Most musicians are familiar with LSD, lead singer's disease, and this guy could be the poster child, making demands that far outstrip the venue and the band's popularity level. The worst target of his wrath is the poor sound guy who is responsible for making sure that the band sounds good through the mains, which are the speakers pointed at the crowd, but also through the monitors, which are wedge-shaped speakers pointing backwards at band members so they can hear themselves above the roaring drums and guitars on stage. Singers have a lot of trouble hearing themselves while singing over a rock band, so the singer's monitor mix will usually just be his or her own vocals and maybe the backing vocals. Because of the way the monitor is angled, virtually nobody out front can hear what's going on in the monitors. This is important. During sound check, the crowd's absent, the singer is tearing the sound guy a new one. The sound guy is a fixture in the local Dallas scene and he knows what he's doing. But everything sounds like crap up here no matter what you do. And if you can't do this right, you need to go find somebody who can. He takes it on the chin and does his best to appease Mr. LSD. Then comes showtime. We play our set without any trouble and can hear ourselves just fine on the monitors. But then the headliners come on and the singer is still visibly pissed and after the first song, calls out the sound guy, which you just don't do. As their set proceeds, something strange happens. Mid-song, the singer goes flat, noticeably flat. Like he sounds bad and his pitch is wavering all over the place and he's looking around in a panic. After about 10 seconds, everything's fine again. Next song, same thing happens. He gets to the big chorus, his pitch goes wild and he's looking to his bandmates. They look concerned too, then everything fixes itself. 
I'm still hanging around because that's good etiquette, and I notice that the sound guy has a big smile on his face every time this happens. He's tweaking faders on his mixing boards, but that's not unusual, that's what he's there for. But I've gotta figure out what's so goddarn funny. I go over to the sound booth and yell in his ear, what's so funny? Because it's a loud club, and he points to a piece of rack mounted gear and shout explains. Autotune was in its infancy at this point because autotune is ridiculously complex. Autotune has to analyze pitch in a microsecond and adjust it to fit a key or scale, so we didn't have autotune in clubs. But what we did have was pitch shifting, which is nothing but brute force pitch manipulation. He was periodically, ever so briefly, running the singer's monitor mix through a pitch shifter set to be exactly a half step sharp. Go play a white key on a piano and simultaneously play the black key next to it to hear how unpleasant this interval is. The singer is hearing himself as sharp, so he goes lower to counteract it, and the overall effect through the mains is genuinely terrible. Never piss off the sound guy. When somebody has their head in the clouds, it's probably no fixing that regardless of who you are. Our next story is, I tipped my ex-friend and bully as petty revenge. To start, this girl and I were best friends during the first half of high school. However, something changed in her. She became depressed because she was being severely bullied online. I reported what she told me to both the school counselors and her parents, and I told her that I told them. She decided I betrayed her and suddenly became a bully towards me. Ironically, she became friends with the girls who bullied us both right after. She later found out they were online bullies too. My first job was front end at a restaurant, and she knew when and where I worked. So she made it a point to show up at my work where I really couldn't do much. I had to serve her and her new friends. She saw me coming and said to not expect a tip because service industry workers are servants who don't need to be paid. That stuck with me for years. I told my manager that I refused to serve her or them ever again. Manager was fine with it at that point, as I'd made the comments before. From that day on, I never spoke to my ex-friend for years. Recently I went to my hometown in a local restaurant. Lo and behold, my waiter is my ex-friend. Again, I haven't spoken to her at all since that day she basically said I was her servant. I decided to get petty revenge by killing her with kindness. I was polite, but never acknowledged that I knew her. She kept saying she swears she recognizes me from somewhere. I kept brushing the question off. Then came the bill. When the receipt for the tip came, I put a note on it that said, First and former name, do you still think service industry workers are servants who don't need to be paid? With a 100% tip on a 40-ish dollar meal. As I walked out, I saw her face as she read the note. She turned very red. I think my kind petty revenge got to her. I like the optics of this where the ex-friend's working as a waitress, and OP casually dropping a 100% tip kind of flexes that they must be doing well probably. It's different on the other side, huh? This next story is, consumer insurance phone scam harassed me for years, so I returned the favor. If you ever get a call from this company, don't believe a word out of them. They're not a legitimate company, they're just trying to get money out of you and screw you over. So, starting like 4 or 5 years ago, I've been getting regular calls from people claiming they can help me save money on my car insurance. It was usually daily, but sometimes just 2 or 3 times a week. Never less. It was never a multiple times a day thing. When they first called me, I didn't even have a license yet. I just thought it was a genuine mistake on their end rather than a scam. 
At the time, I didn't have a phone that alerted me about potential spam or scam calls, so I informed them that I didn't have a license yet, let alone car insurance, and they immediately hung up on me. No apology, no acknowledgement, nothing. Figured, whatever, that's fine. Then they just kept calling every day after that. So I kept telling them, hey, please delete my number. I don't have a license or car or car insurance. Every time they either said okay and hung up or just hung up on me. After that, I would just ignore every call until finally blocking the number altogether. It worked for a few days before they started from a different number, blocked it, but they just called from new numbers. I alternated between telling them my usual, no license, delete my number, or just ignoring. Eventually, the daily calls were always from a different number, so blocking stopped doing any good. Soon, I got a new phone with a new number, hoping it would end, but it didn't. They called my new number. Just kept calling. Again, this went on for years. Blocking didn't help. Ignoring didn't help. About two days ago, they called again, of course. I've learned nothing I do is going to stop them at this point. So I answered it and just pterodactyl screeched into the phone before hanging up. Then they did something new. They called back. That's what did it for me, I guess, because I was genuinely pissed. I answered and asked who they were trying to call. The caller says, Hi, my name is Andy from Consumer Insurance. I'm trying to help you save money on your car insurance. I said, not what I asked. Who are you trying to call? They say, I don't know. All we have on file is a number. We don't have specifics. I say, so you're trying to save me money on my car insurance, but you don't even know who I am? You have my number. That's already pretty specific. She hangs up. I call back. Same person answers. Same lisp. Same accent. Same voice. Hi, this is Sophia. Who am I speaking with? I say, wow, Sophia. You sound exactly like the Andy witch that just hung up on me. She hangs up again. So I call back. They say, hi, this is different name, same person. Who may I ask, am I speaking to? I said, the same person you've been speaking to. Y'all have been harassing me for years, and I'd like a darn apology and for my number to be deleted from your records. They say, I'm calling to save you money on your... I said, no. I tried telling y'all for years, I didn't even have a license, and you kept calling. I've told y'all to delete my number, and you didn't. She hangs up, so I call her back. She says, who is this? I say the same person you keep hanging up on. She says, freak. Took everything in me not to laugh at that one. Hangs up, I call back, and finally get someone else. They say, hi, this is fake name, probably. With consumer insurance, how can I help you? I say, listen, y'all don't get to harass me for years and then hang up on me when I do it back. Delete my goddamn number and at least apologize. They say, I'll delete it. She then hangs up with no other words. Haven't gotten a call back yet, but it's only been a few days, so I'm hoping this much worked. Maybe I'm the jerk for it, but I'll take it. Sure, Sophia, Andy, or whoever probably wasn't one of the scammers harassing me over the years, but if you're going to work for a company that does harass and scam, it might as well be part of the job at that point. Call me once a day for several years, shame on you. Call me twice in a day, got me messed up. Thankfully, I don't get very many spam calls. I do get spam texts, though. If I pick up and I notice it's a scam call or there's just silence, I try to find the noisiest object next to me, like a can or a wrapper, and just start making horrendous sounds right in the speaker. Our next story is causing my boss to mess up what she wrote in emails by plugging in a wireless mouse. 
One of my first workplaces had extremely toxic management. It was owned and run by an old couple in their 60s who were co-CEOs. The wife in particular was a bitter, racist jerk who would micromanage everyone, take credit for our work, and also hated my guts more than the rest of the team. I'm minority, female, young, and also opinionated. That is, all the things she despises. Because she's quite old, she never learned to touch type and instead does the typical hunt and peck style. So once she starts typing, she stares down at her keyboard the entire time. She also tends to write quite long emails. I became so jaded that any form of revenge was screwing with her to brighten my day. So one time I decided to plug a wireless dongle for a mouse into her PC. Once I saw she was typing, I would wait until she typed a reasonable amount and then click using the spare mouse somewhere random. She would continue typing, look up and rage at her computer and have to start again. Sometimes I'd repeat the process within the same email for extra foolery. My colleagues were in on it, so I'd give them a heads up when I clicked so we could all have a laugh. When I was done, I would simply wait until she left and casually unplug the dongle from her PC. Honestly, this is one of the things that kept me sane while I was there until I managed to escape. Find joy in the little things. I don't know what it is about me, but even if somebody pissed me off like this, taking advantage of their computer illiteracy and totally screwing them up, I still would feel bad about it. Like, I don't think I could do what OP did, even if it's relatively innocent. This next story is, I hate coffee. This was back in the 90s. I had a boss, probably in his 80s. Every morning, the man walked past the coffee pot to come to me to order me to get him a cup of coffee. I hate coffee. I hate everything about it. This man was also quite rude. I wasn't required to get him coffee, nor anyone. He just demanded it of me. So I started brewing coffee for him. Sometimes it was decaf. Sometimes it was three bags of coffee to one pot, bitter and full of caffeine. But I never did it the same way twice. After two weeks, he finally stopped demanding coffee for me because you're too stupid to learn how to make it. Our next story is, created a point of interest on Google Maps to piss off wealthy Karen neighbors. I live in a non-gated neighborhood that previously had one road both in and out. My neighborhood also has two schools on this one road. The traffic is ridiculous during rush hour or when schools get in and out. There has always been a public works plan to build a secondary exit for my neighborhood. It just so happens to connect to the main road by going through a portion of a, also non-gated, wealthier neighborhood behind us. Fast forward, the public roadway gets built as planned. And as expected, people in my neighborhood start using it to avoid the traffic on the other, busier road. Legit shaves 15 to 20 minutes off any commuter drive. The people in this neighborhood have begun posting to theirs and our Facebook page, with the most ridiculous things and have gone to protest to their city council. Some examples to give y'all an idea. They're ruining our lives by driving through daily. This road has derailed mine and my wife's life plans. They're currently attempting to petition the city to rule the road emergency use only and are also filing a lawsuit against the city, supposedly. They have several folks who will legit take photos of cars driving through and will count how many cars per day drive through. They've also tried to send my neighborhood HOA bills for the road, which, mind you, is a 100% public road that they didn't even pay for. The latest thing is that they're saying this road is a gift from them. Overall, they're just pretentious folks, to be honest. 
I don't know why they think they're somehow entitled to anything. I'm not a jerk. I totally get how this could be annoying for them. But they have generalized my entire neighborhood as public enemy number one? And to be honest, I just think it's hilarious. So, we made a point of interest on Google Maps called Shortcut to Davis Ranch and have been reviewing it five stars with the most hilarious comments. The goal being that anytime they look at their maps, they see this mention of the road they despise so much. How much do you want to bet that there's somebody in that wealthier neighborhood that's currently researching how to secede from the United States and become their own country? We gotta keep these people out of our neighborhood. Our next story is parking enforcement at work. Not my story, but told to me by my dad from when he worked at a small grocery store in Wheaton, Illinois, when he was a teenager. It was his first job and he was a bag boy slash stalker. A customer complained that the way he bagged her groceries had damaged some items. The manager on duty replaced them and docked my father's pay, but didn't allow him to take the damaged items. Not sure how legal that might have been at the time. It was the 70s. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This particular manager always parked on the street right behind the store, which had a two-hour parking limit during the day. At the time, parking enforcement would walk up and down the street, marking tires and ground next to it with chalk, and would come back later in the day to ticket cars that hadn't moved. He would only walk this block in the morning and right after lunch. The manager knew this, so he would go out every day and wipe the chalk away rather than move. My father began taking his lunch break after the manager did this and would mark the tire back up with chalk. He said it took a few weeks, but the manager finally got a ticket. Then he started moving the car down the road instead of just wiping the chalk off. But my father continued to mark it and he got another one. My dad continued to do this until the manager started parking in the lot. I mean, you're going to have the burden of proof to prove that you weren't, but I'm wondering how enforceable that chalk technique really is. I mean, what if the car moved, somebody else parked, and they just lined up on the chalk? Our next story is, dyed my hair blue so boss would stop blaming me for hair and customers' food. I used to work for a sandwich shop. All the other employees were Indian women with very long black hair. Mine was sort of similar, I suppose, medium length and brown, but every time a customer would complain about a long black hair in the food, my boss would immediately blame me without any hesitation or investigation, despite the fact that I was the only person who wore my hair up and netted. So one day, I dyed my hair blue with the sole purpose of not being blamed for black hair being in the food. You guessed it, it happened. 
and how huffy and annoyed my boss got when I said it couldn't be my hair because mine is blue was beyond amusing. Bless OP for taking their hair care seriously. Our next story is, car dealership wanted $3,000 for add-ons? Told me to go somewhere else if I didn't like it, so I did. My wife and I were car shopping, looking for a nice late model mid-sized SUV. We go to this big name dealership in the area and test drive a nice 2018 model with a little under 40,000 miles on the clock. There were a few issues that we worked out with the manager that would be fixed if we bought the car. We liked it enough to begin to move forward with the deal. I was already pre-approved through the bank and knew what I could afford, what the car was worth, etc. Basically, I had done my homework. The salesman goes and gets the sheet and starts going through the numbers. He begins by saying the car has low jack, VIN, etching, and interior protection already installed, and that the cost was $2,500 for those add-ons. Also, the processing fee was $900, that the add-ons were non-negotiable. With tax title and processing, it would all have added up to about $5,000 more than what the car was listed for, which was already overpriced. I was going to offer to pay the price they had listed it for a few days earlier, more than what I wanted to pay, but it was in my budget and a fair deal. I was floored. It pushed the four-year-old SUV to darn near $30,000. I told the salesman that that was ridiculous. The SUV wasn't worth that much by a long shot, and I could actually purchase a brand new one close to that price. He said, fine, go ahead then. So I left. Deal not done, no counteroffer, nothing. Here's where the petty revenge comes in. I went and left a one-star review, which explained all of what had happened and everything else everywhere I could think to. Also, all of those reviews being the most recent, it was now at the top of the list, everywhere you went, to see any info about the dealership. The next day, I went, test drove, and got an amazing deal on the exact same SUV at another dealership. I saved thousands of dollars. No add-ons or other BS. Friendly salesmen and they even had a dog in the waiting room. All in all, a great experience. Now, since price modeling works the way it does, me getting that amazing deal also works out to be the new standard price on said model SUVs. Almost instantly, the SUV on their lot is now worth thousands less than it was and also sits unsold. Did I mention they also had two on their lot? I must say I do enjoy maliciously watching them have to lower their price. Oh, the icing on the cake was them calling me trying to make things right so I would change my review. I simply said sorry, already bought the car I wanted somewhere else, and hung up. I wonder if this dealership was actually doing well or something, because you feel like they would definitely work with you when you're that close to closing on a deal. Our next story is, make false accusations, lose your business. Background. I used to work at a small to mid-sized law firm. At the time, there were 10 lawyers, including the owner. His setup was basically to do as little work as possible and then just take a cut from the rest of us as independent contractors. He was very much a, it doesn't matter what they can afford, fill as much as you can, type scumbag. One thing the firm handled was real estate law. I rarely looked after any real estate transactions, save maybe two or three per year over the two years I worked there. At the time he decided to let me go, he made a list of reasons, all of which were fabricated. Client complaints, missed court dates, etc. It came down to me asking for a bigger cut and him not wanting to have to pay it. I felt it wasn't worth going after him in court. 
However, shortly after my contract was terminated, I was reviewing my insurance and stumbled upon the fact that no less than 60 real estate transactions were filed with my bar under my name. Well, one of the rules where I practice is, in a situation like this, my name has to be on the retainer agreement and I have to have worked on the file in some capacity. So, having a friend or two at the firm who were practically one foot out the door already, I got many of the phone numbers for these clients that weren't mine and asked for a copy of their retainer for my records. Most of them had no problem sending a copy. Obviously, I was on none of them. I quickly contacted the bar association. The whole thing ended up being a mess for this guy. Besides an intensely scrutinized audit, it turned out that he'd done this for every lawyer in the firm. He eventually was ordered to pay an absolutely insane fine, think high six figures, and had his license suspended for a few years. The firm shut down, and he never went on to practice again. Felt good. If you're going to be doing some blatantly inappropriate tactics legally, you probably don't want to go around backstabbing your own people. This next story is, told my ex-friend that he was cheating on his girlfriend with a co-worker, and now he's getting deported. My ex-friend was cheating on his girlfriend. I know his girlfriend because he talked about her all the time at the office. We worked together. He would mention her and talk about how he can't wait to marry her and live with her forever. He started an affair with our coworker and then started hitting on my girlfriend. I confronted him about both of these things and he lied to my face about it. I know he lied because I was in possession of the evidence text messages and voicemails, which show his words and plans to engage in infidelity. He tried to gaslight me because he didn't know I had any proof. The co-worker didn't know that my ex-friend was in a relationship and that he was cheating on his girlfriend, so I told my co-worker. And then I told his girlfriend by sending her the evidence of his infidelity. I didn't plan for this to happen, but apparently he was planning on marrying his girlfriend so that he could stay in the country. He's here on a student visa which is about to expire. If he married his girlfriend, he would have gotten citizenship. Apparently he got dumped and now may have to leave the country. I know this sort of makes me the jerk, but screw that guy. Not only did he hit on my girlfriend, but he lied to my freaking face about it. So I blasted his life with the truth and now he's a wreck at work. Anyway, screw that guy. If you know somebody or work with somebody who is clearly cheating and you have the means to get in contact with their partner, do you think it's your obligation to let them know? I'd like to know what you guys think. Our next story is, I got rid of a stalker and she thanked me for it. Several years ago, I met a woman and we started what I thought was a friends with benefits situation. After a couple of weeks, I started noticing she was stalking me. Not hardcore stalking, but she was showing up at places I was at and watching from a distance on the down low. I knew one of her guy friends. He openly didn't like me much, but tried to be friendly with me because of her. That made me realize that he probably liked her and was jealous of my relationship with her. I told her that we were going to stop the benefits, but we could still be friends. Then I started telling her, I think he likes you. Maybe you two should try dating. I told him the same thing. A few weeks go by and she disappeared. She was still alive but she didn't respond or send texts nearly as much until eventually I didn't hear from her at all. About a year later, I ran into her. I found out that they were married and she thanked me for pushing them towards each other. I mean, it's nice that it worked out for them. I'm glad it especially worked out for OP. Our next story is, change my shift? 
I won't correct you. Years ago, I worked at a large chain party store. I was a key holder and worked morning shifts during the week and closing only on Friday and Saturday. A manager, we'll call her Jane, who didn't like me very much, came up to me on Monday and told me I needed to close on Wednesday and that the other key holder, Meg, would be taking my morning. I didn't want to and tried to argue. My main reason for not wanting it was because Lost, I said years ago when I was only 19, was on. So it wasn't like I had a real reason. After I tried to argue, Jane cut me off and pointed out that company policy allowed for scheduling changes at manager discretion with at least one day's notice, and she wasn't going to discuss it. She actually refused to even talk to me the rest of the shift after I tried to argue. When Meg came in that afternoon, I asked if she knew why our shifts were being swapped. She said she wasn't working Wednesday at all since she had started another job weekday mornings. I knew the right thing to do was to tell her to talk to Jane or talk to the store manager myself, but I didn't. Wednesday morning came, and 10 minutes after the store was supposed to open, I got a call, but I let it go to voicemail. I waited about an hour to call back, saying I'd slept in since I had a rare morning off. To my surprise, nobody had opened the store. Jane had failed to find coverage for my shift, like she told the store manager she had. I offered to come in, but he said he'd already gotten there and it would be more helpful if I could come in a little earlier for my evening shift. I even got two hours overtime. The next day I had to take a phone call from corporate and attest that Jane had talked to me about my shift changing. Meg had to do the same, attesting that she had made it clear she couldn't work. The store not opening on time was a big no-no. This instance caused a new store policy where all scheduling changes involving managers or key holders needed to be done by the store manager or district manager only. Jane got an official notice of discipline and loudly complained that this set her back years in her career goals. It really didn't. She got promoted less than a year later to store manager at another store and quit shortly after because she didn't like it. Still, I enjoyed her complaining at the time. The funniest part was my store manager commenting that he was surprised that I'd said yes to the change, since he knew I wouldn't want Lost spoiled for me. I know none of this reeks of professionalism, but I was 19. That said, our final story of the day is, you never know who's listening. Christmas is almost here, time for gift giving. Gifts come in all shapes and sizes, and sometimes you get one when you least expect it. Merry Christmas, here's a gift for you. I'm on my first army assignment in Hawaii a while back with my wife. Her sister and brother-in-law come to visit for a few days. Like many visitors to Hawaii, the sister wants to go shopping in Waikiki. Anybody here been to the stadium flea market or the international market in Waikiki? That was the first destination, followed by an afternoon at San Suchi Beach on the other end of the strip. We all head down to make a day of shopping and beaching, anticipating a good time. The first shop we hit in the international market is a gold mine. It's got pretty much everything that the two women are looking for and they're loading up. Holy heck, maybe it's going to be a quick day of shopping and then we can go to the beach ahead of schedule. Note, it's important to know that I'm white, not like Norwegian white, but there's no way I'll ever be mistaken for anything but a Caucasian. Regardless of my appearance, I've always had a knack for languages. I pick them up like bad habits. At one time or another, I've studied Spanish, French, Japanese, and Chinese. I can even speak a little English. At the time of this story, I'm a fairly recent graduate of Defense Language Institute where I learned Chinese for the U.S. Army. When we enter the shop, I note that the two ladies running it are talking to each other in Chinese. 
I'm not a Karen, so I don't automatically assume that anyone speaking a foreign language is talking about me. I just figure they're talking business. The shop isn't very busy yet, and I catch snippets of their conversation here and there. They aren't being quiet. Turns out they are talking about us. They're saying some pretty crappy things, and they're really going on about it. Yes, of course you know where this is going. Time for the setup. I head over to my wife and sister, encouraging them to be generous with their selections. I'm really egging them on. What about this shirt for Cousin Bob? How about this knickknack for your mom? Do you like this doodad for your brother? I bet that skirt would be great on Aunt Sarah. Be sure to get a couple of those who's-its and what's-its for the other nieces and nephews and so on. I really want them to have a huge pile of goodies at checkout. After a while, I can see that the shopping is about to end and the paying is about to begin. The women pile their stuff on the counter. They haven't let me down. It's a very big pile. I ask them to hold up and give me a moment with the shop ladies. The two of them smile because they've also heard the shop ladies speaking Chinese. They asked me and I confirmed for them, but I didn't tell them the content of the conversation. They know I love to bargain, so they assume I'm going to use my language mojo to work on getting us a nice discount. The shopkeepers look very happy until they catch their eyes, and I tell them in Chinese, you are very polite. No yelling, no cursing, no stomping my feet, just four simple words spoken calmly in their own language tells them everything they need to know. I'm immediately given the wonderful gift of two surprised Pikachu faces as the two of them realize the price they're about to pay. I tell my family we can leave now and we leave everything on the counter behind us. As I'm ushering everyone out, I explain what happened. They're momentarily disappointed when I fill them in, but there are about 2011 more shops around us, so off we go. And darn it. There goes my early day at the beach. I love these kinds of stories, and it definitely pays to be polite. That said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy story of revenge, why not check that video out on the left? Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.